Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Viral, a podcast series looking at the spread of COVID-19 as it continues to affect Ireland and the international world in a growing capacity. On the podcast today, we look at how the UK's COVID border policy affects our own government's decisions on international travel this summer. There is a risk to travelling abroad right now because this virus is behaving in a way that's unpredictable across the EU and indeed across the world. And that's why the travel advice is what it is. We will get to a place, I hope, where, where we can steer people towards countries that we regard as safer. But there's risk attached to all international travel. But if we have a green list of countries, we can steer people to countries that we regard as safer and therefore wouldn't require them to restrict their movement or self-quarantine when they come home. Um, But there's no ban on international travel in or out of Ireland. But there is, if you come here, you are required to to essentially take yourself out of circulation for 14 days. Um, And uh, that has been an important deterrent keep the numbers down so far. That was former Tanishta and current Minister for Foreign Affairs Simon Coveney speaking at this week's media briefing as the new cabinet announced an extension of their COVID-19 advice on overseas travel. There was speculation that a green list of countries would be published that would not require passengers to quarantine on either leg of their journey. That has now been extended out until July 20th at the earliest when the Airbridge list is expected to be published. Dr Jack Lambert is a consultant in infectious diseases and wrote an interesting piece for the Irish Times this week in which he stated that the government's decision to tell people not to travel overseas is wrong-headed. I was delighted to be joined by him as he discussed why he believes stronger efforts need to be made into finding sustainable solutions that allow us to live our lives in a more normalised fashion while Covid is still active on the island. Before that though, I want to look at what Ireland's physical and political relationship with the United Kingdom means for our own autonomy and decision making when it comes to COVID-19 policy making. Amid the fields of northern Italy, this is the area where Europe's outbreak of coronavirus seems to have started. Here, 10 towns are in quarantine. You need special permission to get in or out. Back in early mid-March, during the initial days of the COVID-19 crisis in Europe, various states began closing their borders independently. One of the first instances of this was Austria, introducing checks on the border with Italy as we saw cases begin to spiral out of control in Lombardy and the surrounding regions. And then once one country started to do it, it was like a cascade of basically the collapse of free movement, which was the work of decades that just seemed to kind of be unpicked in the course of a long weekend. Naomi O'Leary is the Irish Times Europe correspondent and host of the Irish Passport podcast series. So Ireland is in a slightly different situation from most of the EU for a couple of reasons. Obviously, the Republic and the North are an island, so that offers opportunities that countries which are landlocked don't have or that have land borders don't have because it's much easier to pursue a a elimination policy if you're an island like New Zealand has. Uh, The other thing is that Ireland is not in Schengen which is the passport free movement zone 
which most of the EU is in, plus a couple of countries that aren't in the EU. Instead of this, Ireland is included in a smaller travel zone with the UK known as the Common Travel Area, something which became a huge point of discussion during Brexit negotiations all throughout 2019. With the UK leaving the EU, some things are going to change, and there are uncertainties. But it's also important to understand that many things will stay the same for Irish people after Brexit. The Common Travel Area and its associated rights and entitlements for Irish and British citizens will continue. This really puts Ireland in a unique position in terms of being in the EU, which we'll see. So after the uncoordinated collapse of free movement and the closure of borders, essentially what happened was the European Commission and also the national leaders of EU countries were very determined not to have a repeat of this uncoordinated series of events when it came to reopening. So they wanted to move as a block as much as possible. The practicalities of how to do that are really, really difficult because when it comes to border questions, it's entirely a national power. So the EU doesn't have the power to tell countries what to do when it comes to borders. It can give recommendations, but it's all consent-based and ultimately it's up to the national governments. The question of borders becomes even more complicated during COVID as it draws a multitude of national ministries into the conversation. So it'll be like the Ministry of Health will have a say on it, uh, transport will have a say on it, foreign affairs will have a say on it, and probably, you know, the Taoiseach or Prime Minister's office will have a say on it in each country. And that essentially means it's really, really difficult to coordinate within a country, never mind within the EU. But they did manage to do it. So the first agreement that they came to was they agreed that the whole Schengen area plus the Schengen associated states, which are states that aren't in Schengen currently but are in discussions to be, they agreed to stop or block all casual travel from outside of that area into it. So from people from the United States, for example, couldn't enter um, what's called the, the EU plus area unless uh, they were there on some sort of vital business like they were an essential worker a doctor coming in or something like that and this was the first step to coordinating travel policy in the zone this decision was also the first real occurrence of ireland not being a part of this process it's completely unique in the eu in that because it was the only member state that wasn't taking part and even non-member states like switzerland and norway and iceland they were taking part so ireland was really unusual and isolated and this is all because of the common travel area Essentially, because of the free movement zone that encompasses the Republic, the North and Britain, it makes it a de facto or realistically not possible for the Dublin government to pursue an independent policy on border questions like this, unless the British government agrees as well. And that's essentially what happened. At the moment, the political situation is that Britain, the London government is ideologically opposed to cooperating with the EU on joint initiatives of all kinds. It's not just with borders, it's joint procurement of protective equipment, it's on security and policing policy, it's on nuclear policy, all kinds of things that are even popular in Britain and arguably in Britain's own self-interest. There's an ideological opposition to cooperation post-Brexit. It's about almost proving a point. Britain's relationship with the EU will have repercussions for Ireland both during COVID and for years to come as the UK continues its transition outside of the European Union. It's not fully within the Irish government's power 
to set its own border policy. And so the result is that we have a two-week quarantine for incoming travellers. That's reflected in the UK. Both the UK and Ireland went their own way, essentially, and introduced this quarantine while not shutting travel from everywhere, but just requiring incoming travellers to quarantine. And while the EU has continued with its cooperation with the EU plus zone that I was talking about, they have opened air bridges to 15 countries, including Canada, New Zealand, Australia and Japan and other countries with which they agree that there can be unrestricted two-way travel. Ireland is not part of that. So Ireland is not part of that agreement and instead is de facto tied into what the UK is doing because of the common travel area. As of Friday 10th of July, England has agreed to drop its quarantine period for over 50 countries across the world, something which may also have large repercussions for Ireland. That is a unilateral act. It doesn't affect travellers from England out, but travellers coming in. So anyone going into England won't anymore be required to quarantine in over 50 countries. And once they're within the common travel area, there are no actual restrictions on travel. So that does affect the Republic because theoretically you could enter the Republic via the North without any restriction. It's a complicated issue, but it's really important that the Irish government is clear on the choices that Ireland has and also the way in which Ireland's choices are restricted by the fact it's, it's unique geographic and political situation where it's kind of caught between the EU and Britain here because nobody saw the circumstances coming that was going to highlight this issue, but it may well occur again. We don't know what's going to come next, but there may be many other sorts of scenarios where Ireland is not fully free to set its own policy because of this situation with Britain and Britain pulling another way while the EU pulls another. Dr. Jack Lambert is a consultant in infectious disease and genitourinary medicine at the Matter University Hospital and believes that the Irish government need to look at wider measures that will help the public and economy progress with their previous routines, including fewer restrictions on foreign travel. If the only plan is lockdown and wait to see what other countries do, that, that's going to have harmful effects, I think, on Ireland, okay? If you look at the cases over the last month of people who have become infected, Most of them are from community spread, Irish people spreading to Irish people who had no travel outside of Ireland. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have some degree of assessment of patients coming in, of people coming into the country, you know, bringing the virus in. But this is not the same situation as back in February, January, when the virus wasn't in Ireland. The virus is here in Ireland. So we shouldn't be focusing as much on, (laughs) you know, Mm. on preventing people coming in and bringing the virus because the virus is already here and it's been it's been evident you know it's been evident we just had what was it 20 30 cases and a few days ago and those wasn't for people traveling into the country these were for irish people you know we've ignored the issue of face masks for we ignored it in the hospital early on in february and march with people saying there's no evidence that you can transmit the virus you know as long as you do social distancing that failed okay that strategy failed in the hospital and as soon as we started using masks all the numbers of new infected employees you know healthcare employees mm. dropped that's a very important experience so if you try to take that experience to the community in crowded environments i think all the social distancing in the world is not as important as covering your face to prevent spread and we're not doing that we're not doing that we've opened up the community and servers, some servers are not wearing face masks. 
How can you socially distance and serve food? You can't. Going on a bus, you know, now, now we're saying social distancing, it's not two meters, you have to go three meters. So what does that mean? You put two people on the Lewis, you know, and mm. social distance them four meters. So how can you open up the economy and get public transport back if you've only got 20% capacity. Obviously, face masks have become a really big issue recently, and I feel like that Irish people have acted with different levels of obedience for different parts of the government's COVID strategy. Obviously, there has been a relatively low uptake with face masks, but in recent days, we heard that there was an extremely high uptake with the COVID tracker app. But the reason there's been a slow uptake, they've come out and said, download the tracker. For the last two months, the messages have been social distancing are the most important thing. It's only in the last week that the government's actually started emphasizing face masks, okay? If you look at the messages on buses, if you look at the messages on public television, when did all those come along? Those came along just in the last week, you know, because nobody was giving that message. You know, people have been really on the fence in terms of the face mask message. Obviously as well, Tony Hulan has been speaking about this before leaving his post. Mm -hmm. For the meantime, that as CMO, he has strongly recommended that people do not travel then outside of uh, the yeah. domestic tourism yeah. that we're trying to promote at the moment. The thing is, is that, okay, what's the end game here? We don't travel until when? You have to have a plan here, okay? What is the plan? Don't travel because you're going to import coronavirus into Ireland. At this stage, that is a much less important message and I'm not sure it's a priority. There's lots of reasons for people to travel. There's business reasons. There's family reasons. We've got families who are split between Ireland and the UK, traveling back and forth, you know. Um, you know, you, you understand there's, there's mm. people who are, have elderly relatives. There's people who spend every summer holiday going to visit elderly family all throughout Europe. Um, you know, I'm not saying that it's not good advice to, to, to have people think is their travel important is their travel necessary and if, if they deem it is necessary and there's lots of good reasons for that you know um, you know it's not as simple as leisure travel versus mm. essential travel versus non-essential travel then i think we really should be giving important messages that when you do travel that you're doing the exact same things that if you if you're going to take a, a holiday to your summer home in spain in southern spain where you're grandparents are living and you want to go see them for that for you do every summer you do it safely and safely is at every stage you know going to the airport leaving the airport when you're in spain doing all the, the appropriate things which is social distancing face masks all those kind of things and in that situation I think with good conscience, you you would not be bringing coronavirus back into Ireland. A lot of your discussion in that article was based around the fact that we should have our own personal freedoms and personal responsibilities. But a lot of countries who have exercised those freedoms to their citizens, and thinking about Sweden as an example, they're now paying the price. So where would you fall on that argument in that case? They never locked down. You know, I, I, I disagree with Sweden's strategy. You know, I'm not, we don't have all the answers here. All I'm trying to do here is, look, we're an island. We're four months into lockdown. The economy's in really bad shape. We're dependent upon relationships with the rest of the world. You know, we're dependent upon tourism. The longer this goes on, the more of a difficult situation we're in moving forward, you know. And uh, lockdown has effects financially, psychologically. And then there is medically as well you know i'm just trying to come up with some suggestions about how we can move forward the, the, the solution is not 
for everybody to say, we're going to wait for the public health emergency group to tell us what to do in two weeks. Things are changing all the time with this virus. Our, we need to have a plan, not a reaction to mm. what everybody else is doing. There's been a lot of criticism in general around the fact that there's been a huge amount of mixed messaging in relation to some of the public health advice. What would you say to some critics of yours now who would argue that you're just further muddying public health messaging around a very serious issue? Well, I'm absolutely not trying to do that. Okay, lockdown is lockdown, okay? I 100% agreed with this. I took care of many of the sick people in the hospital here. I know what a serious virus is, and I'm not trying to be frivolous here. I'm just suggesting that we have to come up with plans that safely allow us to move forward. And basically saying, oh, if you travel to Spain on your summer holidays, you know, we're not going to let your kids back in the school in the autumn. It's become so polarized and so politicized. Just having dealt with this epidemic in the hospital and taking care of sick, sick people, you know, we've had to put together a plan, a successful plan. And I'm just trying to strategize on a successful plan to come out of lockdown safely. Like I said, I don't think the coming up with a broad and sweeping recommendation, mm. cancel all, all your summer holidays, don't travel abroad because you'll bring back the virus. I just don't think that is a satisfactory message. I think we need to give much more communication to the public mm. um, because they are traveling, right? Aren't they? They are traveling. People are already traveling. So we should be giving messages on how to safely travel, just like other European and other countries are in the world on what are safe countries, what are not safe countries. And it's going to change from week to week. And I think I think we're going to do that anyway. That's going to happen. That was episode 35 of Viral COVID-19. I'd like to thank Naomi O'Leary, Europe editor for the Irish Times and host of the Irish Passport podcast series, as well as Dr. Jack Lambert for joining me on the podcast this week. We will be back next week for more news and info on how COVID-19 is progressing in Ireland and in the wider world. I'm Ian Doyle. I'll talk to you then.